happening? Happy hump day to you and yours. Thanks for joining me as always. It is very much appreciated. Head coach is set. The defensive staff is set. The majority of the offensive staff is set. The front office is set to go. It's time to start talking about this offseason, and we'll start today with the latest on the wide receiver market. Couple of notes. Paul Denner on T. Higgins in The Athletic yesterday wrote this. The writing is on the wall, and all expectations are the Bengals will use a franchise tag on Higgins. Using the tag for Higgins to play in 2024 marks the most likely scenario and one accounted for in Burrow's contract. When Burrow signed his $275 million deal, the extension did not kick in on the cap until the 2025 season. So this has been planned, folks. The Bengals obviously knew that T. Higgins would be coming up. They knew that they had Jamar Chase and Higgins. They understood that Joe Burrow would want both of those guys. Joe Burrow has come out and publicly said that he wants T. Higgins. So to me, T. Higgins is off the board. It is very, very unlikely that Higgins goes anywhere else. So as far as ideas and visions of T. Higgins with this Patriots offense, I think we can officially erase that, unfortunately, and say it's not going to happen. T. Higgins is going to stay in Cincinnati. But what about Justin Jefferson? The latest from NFL Network's Tom Pelissero is that Jefferson wants to know the team's future plans at quarterback before committing to a long-term contract. Now, I wonder, would that eliminate the Patriots from the conversation? If Jefferson wants to know who his quarterback is going to be for the next four, five, six years, the Patriots don't have that answer right now. Would Jefferson be willing to wait for the draft if he was open to the idea of being traded to the Patriots, if the Vikings were willing to trade him to the Patriots? So how does the quarterback position impact Justin Jefferson, and how does it really impact the rest of the wide receivers that are going to be out there in the market. Similar to the offensive coordinator in the conversation that we had about that position, it's pretty tough to sell a wide receiver on coming here to New England when you have no idea who's going to be your quarterback. You don't have anybody to sell that guy on. You can't say, oh, look, we have him. We have him. They don't have anybody. I mean, they've got Mac Jones, but I don't think any wide receiver that's going to be available in the market is super excited to play alongside Mac Jones. So how much will that impact the Patriots' situation? Should the Patriots call Minnesota? Should they pick up the phone? Should they offer something for Justin Jefferson? I'll give you my thoughts on that. But first, I want to say, great response yesterday. We raised almost $500 when all was said and done for the Jimmy Fun Pediatric Cancer. I happily put the donation in yesterday right after the show. I can't thank all of you enough. I thought Andrew Callahan was terrific. We will have him on the podcast again down the road for sure. But I thank you first and foremost for what you did yesterday with all of your donations, all of those super chats. It was terrific by all of you. Thank you. Don't forget to give us that like, thumbs up. Let's get them up early to drive traffic. We start talking free agency. We're talking wide receiver today. Give us that thumbs up so more eyeballs hit this product. Comment and subscribe. We are about 100 subscribers away from hitting our 2,000 subscriber goal by March 1st. Just over 100 left. Let's make that final push. Let's hit that goal. Like, comment, and subscribe. All right, let's get to Justin Jefferson. Jefferson, no doubt, a top three wide receiver, right? When you look across the NFL, how many guys would you take before you took Justin Jefferson? You would say maybe Devontae Adams, but there aren't many names. 
There are not many names that you would take over Jefferson. He's 25 years old in June, so he's very young. His cap hit for 2024 will be $19.7 million. We know the Patriots have a lot of cap space. Money would not be an issue as far as this year. Money should not be an issue moving forward either if you're interested in Jefferson. If Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith and the rest of that front office here in New England say, we want Jefferson, money should not be a big issue. But ultimately, the question is, what's the cost? So let's look at Jefferson. I'll break this down. I'll get to some of your comments. Don't forget, Super Chats, you jump to the front of the line, and of course, you contribute to the program financially, i.e. contribute to me financially, which is always appreciated. But we'll go through the Jefferson possibility, and then we'll get into this offseason and what my plan would be at that position, along with some of your comments. So how much would it cost to bring Justin Jefferson to New England? The Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. If we remember that trade, it was for five draft picks. One, two, three, four, fifth, five draft picks from Miami to Kansas City for Tyreek Hill. What were those picks? I'll refresh your memory. A 2022 first-round pick, which was pick number 29, a second-round pick, which was pick 50, and a fourth-round pick. So in 2022, Miami traded a first, second, and fourth for Tyreek Hill. And then they also traded a 2023 fourth-round pick and a 2023 sixth-round pick. Those were the five picks that were sent to Kansas City in return for Tyreek Hill. So what deal would make sense? If you're the Patriots, if you're Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith, and you're sitting today at Gillette Stadium, and you're contemplating pitching an idea to the Vikings to bring Jefferson to New England, what would it take for the Patriots to make that trade? Now, I know a lot of people reacted to the Fakakta Colin Cowherd proposal from a couple of weeks ago. I know a lot of people were saying, oh, I do that deal. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Colin Cowherd threw out this idea, and I say threw out because that's what it was. It was taking a lump of poo and throwing it against the wall to see if it sticks. And, of course, in this world of 2024, everybody talked about it. Engagement. Everybody, right? Colin Cowherd, Jefferson to the Patriots. What do you think about this idea? Cowherd's idea a couple of weeks ago was that the Patriots could swap first. Right, They would swap firsts and a 25 first-round pick to New England for number three. So in Colin Cowherd's mind, you'd swap firsts. The Vikings would move up to three. The Patriots would go down to 11. And then the Vikings would also give the Patriots a first-round pick. And to me, it completely overlooks Jefferson's value in the deal. If we want to look at this realistically, if you asked me, Nick, what would it take to trade for Justin Jefferson? I'm going to give you the legitimate answer. I'm going to give you the reality of the situation. Not some dreamed scenario within my head that I'm just going to throw at you and throw against the wall. If you look at the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, the value of Tyreek Hill was 2,040 points. So if you took all of the picks that Miami sent to Kansas City for Hill, they equaled 2,040 points on the Jimmy Johnson draft trade chart, on the value chart, okay? 2,040. That's right about 
the number three pick value, if you're wondering. So if the Vikings, let's say the Vikings wanted close to equal value for Jefferson that Kansas City got for Tyreek Hill, and let's say the Patriots wanted to stay in the first round because there's no way on God's green earth that the Patriots would be open to just jumping out of the first round completely, right? That'd be insane given what they need on this team. So if the Vikings wanted close to value of Tyreek Hill and the Patriots wanted to stay in the first round this year, here's what the deal would look like. The Patriots would trade the number three pick, their number 34 pick in the second round this year, a fourth round pick this year to go along with a second and a fourth next season to the Vikings. In return, the Patriots would get Justin Jefferson in the number 11 pick. If you're looking at the Jimmy Johnson trade value chart and you want Justin Jefferson, number one, and number two, you want to stay in the first round, that's what the deal looks like. When you put all the points together, it would be you trading your first round pick. Your Well, let's, let's be technical. You'd be swapping your first round pick. You'd be going from three to 11. You'd be trading a second and a fourth this year and a second and a fourth next year for Jefferson and the number 11 pick. That's what that trade would look like if the Vikings wanted similar value for Jefferson that KC got for Tyreek Hill. Let me ask you, would any of you do that trade? You can put your comment in there. I'll take a look at them. I'll pull some of them up. So if you look at it, that's what the Jimmy Johnson trade value chart tells us. Now, I know there is a Rich Hill trade chart in the in the, the Rich Hill model of 2024. And when you look at the, the trade model, it, it could be different. I'll give you an example. New England is 514 points for their third pick overall, and Minnesota is 358 points. But I'd have to go back and I'd have to look at the Justin Jefferson value and create the value of what Tyreek Hill got for Kansas City. So it would have to go back. Needless to say, this idea that you would trade the number three pick to Minnesota for Justin Jefferson in the number 11, it's just, it's not going to work. There's no way it's going to work given what Tyreek Hill was worth. You're giving up multiple picks for Justin Jefferson. And yeah, you'll swap third and number three and number 11, but it's just too much. It's too much if you're using the Jimmy Johnson chart. Marilyn says, woo, that's expensive. Yikes. Peter Jacoby says, no. Nightshade says, no. It's too much. You have to build the team. So would I pull the trigger on a trade like that? Would I be willing to give up all of that value? all of the value for Justin Jefferson and to swap that first round pick and go from three to 11. No, I wouldn't. I think we're seriously overlooking the value of this number three pick. I don't know why you would trade this number three pick for anything other than a surefire quarterback that's proven in the league, not Justin Fields. Saw that rumor the other day and almost spit out my water. Or if you're getting a, a, a ridiculous haul of picks. And on top of that, you don't move too far down from three. I'm not moving from number three to like number 17. That's insane. 
You have a top three pick. It is incredibly valuable this year. So I'm not making that trade just to make it. You've got a top three pick. I'm not dealing that for a wide receiver. For a wide receiver. And you want to trade the number 34 pick, which I think is also crucial. We keep talking about number three because number three is going to be the leading horse in the race. We all know that. But let's not overlook number 34, the second pick in the second round. That pick has tremendous value. We talk about offensive tackle depth. We talk about wide receiver depth. We talk about some of these quarterbacks that might slide down to the end of the first round, beginning of the second round. There's so much value to have two top 35 picks in this draft. I can't possibly justify how valuable it is. If there was any year that you would want two top 35 picks and you had needs at wide receiver, offensive tackle, and quarterback, this is the year to have those picks. That second-round pick is big. I'm not looking to just ship that out. Number 34 could be crucial to find that offensive tackle if you're not going tackle in the first round. It could be crucial to find the quarterback if you want to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. or do something else in the first round. And on top of all of that, if you want to bring Justin Jefferson in, you've got to pay Justin Jefferson. The Dolphins gave Tyreek Hill a four-year, $120 million contract extension. That included over $72 million guaranteed. And you know Jefferson. He's come out. He said he wants to break the bank. So Jefferson's going to look for a top-of-the-market deal. So you're going to give up. You're going to swap three and go down to 11. You're going to give up a second-round pick and future picks to bring in Justin Jefferson, drop eight spots in the first round, and then pay Jefferson a hundred plus million dollars and probably around 75 to 80 million guaranteed. That's what you want to do. Uh-uh. How about this alternate scenario? How about if you want a wide receiver that bad, and I'm not saying to do this, but if you wanted a wide receiver, why wouldn't you just draft Marvin Harrison Jr.? Why would you just not do that? Why wouldn't you draft Harrison Jr. at three, draft a tackle at 34, draft a quarterback that you could develop in the third or fourth round, sign a veteran quarterback, and keep all of your picks in the future? Wouldn't that make sense? Wouldn't you just rather draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and keep all of the assets and the money that you have at your disposal to address other needs with this football team than trade that three pick or swap it to 11 and bring in Justin Jefferson and give him all of that money? I just don't get it. I think many of you don't get it as well. Don't forget, as you're watching, as you're listening, give us that thumbs up. Every thumb counts. The more likes, the more traffic. That's the way that we beat the YouTube algorithm. Like comment, and subscribe. I love all the likes that we get, not only on YouTube, but also Facebook, Twitter, slash X. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Pods, you know the deal. Rate and review. And I hate having to do this over and over and over again throughout podcasts, but that's the way this world works. I'm a one-man band. I'm trying to grow this community. I'm trying to build this brand. And the way we do it is by likes, comments, and subscriptions, trying to hit 2,000 subscriptions by March 1st. And we are about 100 subscribers away. All right. So I would not be in on Justin Jefferson given the cost. So what would I do? And what would you do at wide receiver? What do you want this team to do? Draft-wise, 
and I know some of you will disagree with this. I value the quarterback more than anything else. I am going to continue to stand on this mountain. I am going to continue to tell all of you that if the Patriots love one of these quarterbacks, if they love all three quarterbacks, if they love the quarterback that falls to them, quote-unquote, to number three, then you draft the damn quarterback. You do it. You do it 10 times out of 10. If you love Drake May, you love Jaden Daniels, they are there at three, you take the quarterback. It's as simple as that to me. It is so cut and dry. There's no back and forth in my mind about what you should do with that third pick if you love the quarterback that's there. The quarterback has so much more value inherently than any wide receiver and any offensive tackle. And we saw that with Patrick Mahomes on Sunday night. Now, Mahomes is not the reason why the Chiefs won that game. He helped. There were a lot of reasons why the Chiefs won that game. Some would say San Francisco lost that game. But you see the impact of a quarterback who has elite traits, great to elite traits. It gives you more margin for error. Like if you watch the Chiefs on Sunday night, through the first three quarters, they played like dog crap. But because they had Mahomes, they were able to overcome all of the mistakes that they made earlier. The Niners, I wouldn't say that, you know, Brock Purdy lost the game for San Francisco, but what I would say is Brock Purdy is limited compared to a quarterback like Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. He's limited compared to some of those other quarterbacks, those top-tier quarterbacks, and that means the rest of his football team has to play close to perfect football to win the biggest game of the year. And we saw that on Sunday night. San Francisco did not play the perfect game, and because of that, they lost because they don't have a quarterback that is capable of consistently overcoming mistakes against some of the best quarterbacks in the game. If you have a quarterback that you love and you're staring that quarterback in the face at three, you have to take him. The impact of a top eight quarterback in football, it's it's inarguable. And you're not going to have that opportunity very often. This is the highest, most prized draft pick the Patriots have had since they drafted Drew Bledsoe more than 30 years ago. You're not going to have a lot of opportunity to draft a true game changer. The value of that third pick, it is such a valuable commodity. It's insane. And I hear all of these arguments, and I'll dig into this maybe down the road before we get to the draft in another podcast because I want to get back to the wide receiver idea. But I hear all of these people say, well, you know, how many times does the third quarterback that's picked in a draft work? What we have to understand when we talk about all of these things, when we talk about all of these players in this draft, This draft is different than last year's draft. This year's draft is different than any other draft that's ever happened. Drafts are like snowflakes. (laughs) Every draft is different. And, And I go crazy when I hear people say, why would you pick a tackle in the top five or six when the last five or six years tackles picked that high haven't worked out? It's all about the individual. It's all about the individual in that moment, in that draft. Joe Alt is a terrific prospect. Joe Alt has the potential to be a Hall of Fame tackle. He has that potential. So you can't look at prior drafts and say, oh, well, offensive tackles, that there's been issues trying to hit on those. Every draft is different. 
I could argue, how about going back to what was it, 2004? 2004, you go back. There was more than two quarterbacks that year, right? So every year is different. Now, quarterback, the most valuable to me. I also, and I know some of you would disagree with this, I would also value offensive tackle more than I would value wide receiver. The offensive line play in the NFL is at its worst level right now. There is not a lot of good offensive line play, especially at the tackle position. That position is incredibly thin. If you can draft somebody who you think is going to be a top five tackle in the game, you do it every single time unless you're drafting a quarterback. That's to me. If you need a tackle and you have somebody like that, you make that pick because the rest of the league is showing you. Offensive line play has been on a steady decline over the past several years. And it's because at college, there's a lot of spread offenses, and a lot of these tackles do not know how to pass protect for long periods of time. And they don't know how to run block consistently because college is throw, 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 unless you're Jim Harbaugh, who ran the football a ton this past year and happened to win the national championship. So offensive line play is a disaster across the league. How about wide receiver play? Wide receiver play continues to get better. As offensive line play and offensive tackle depth decline, wide receiver play and wide receiver depth continue to improve. It's a supply and demand game. So why would I pick a wide receiver that I think could be a Hall of Famer over a tackle that I think could be a Hall of Famer? I would pick the tackle because I know there are more opportunities to land a very good to great wide receiver than there are to land a great offensive tackle. Now, with the Patriots, you start with Pop. And Pop Douglas is good. Taylor Kyles, CLNS, tweeted this about Pop Douglas this week. Among wide receivers with at least 50 targets, only Debo Samuel and Rashi Rice and Demario Douglas averaged seven-plus yards after a reception per pro football focus. Yak per reception. Douglas, Debo, and Rashi Rice, the only three wide receivers in football this year that averaged seven or more yak per reception. Douglas has skills. You found a diamond in the rough in the sixth round last year. Blessed. Because you have at least one guy that can play the freaking position. So you're set with Pop Douglas. Now let's look at free agency. Who would I sign? What would I do? Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Don't forget Spotify, Apple Pods to rate and review. The guy that I would sign is Calvin Ridley. I like the idea of going out and signing Calvin Ridley. We already discussed T. Higgins. Higgins is going to stay in Cincinnati, according to reports. He's going to get franchised. Calvin Ridley, according to Spotrack, will cost you less money than Mike Evans will cost you and will cost you less money than Michael Pittman will cost you. Spotrack says that Calvin Ridley would cost you four years, $68 million, $17 million guaranteed. Here's why I like the idea of Calvin Ridley. He's got his legs. He still has his legs. He's played, when you look at his, at his career here in the NFL, he's played less than five years. Now, he was drafted as a 24-year-old rookie. He only played five games in 2021, and he didn't play in 2022. Between the suspension for the gambling and he took some time away from the game due to mental health, 
He only played five games between 21 and 22. So he still has fresh legs. He can still run. And when you look at what he's done, his last two years, his last two full seasons in the league, Calvin Ridley has averaged 83 receptions, almost 1,200 yards, and eight and a half touchdowns. So if you bring Ridley in, you're looking at at least 80 catches, 1,100 yards, and eight touchdowns. That's a good start. That's a really good start. And Calvin Ridley brings something that Matt Groh and the rest of the scouting department was talking about at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. They mentioned explosive. Ridley has explosivity. He has that for days. So he still has fresh legs. He's been highly productive when he's played. He's very explosive. And he's also versatile. I like his versatility. He can play inside. He can play outside. So that allows you some fluidity at wide receiver. You can play him at a number of different spots, and he can produce at all of those spots. You can slide him in on the line. You can slide him outside on the line. So you can also include versatility. So I would sign Calvin Ridley. That's number one. Free agency. I'm going after Ridley. I'm signing him. Absolutely signing him. Then I would look at the draft because I ain't done, baby. This team needs more than one wide receiver. We know it. I'm going out, and I'm hitting the draft hard. I'm double dipping. I'm signing Ridley, and I'm doubling up at wide receiver in the draft between the second and the fifth rounds. Lance Zerline said this on the Ion Foxborough podcast with Karen Garigi and company. Do a great job there at uh, Mass Live. Here's what Zerline said on that podcast. Quote, he was asked if New England can find talent at the wide receiver position outside of day one. He said, quote, absolutely. I think wide receivers can be found outside of the first round. Historically, we see that. And if you want to go check a podcast that I did going back a few weeks ago, we looked at the history of wide receiver in the draft since 2017. And there's no doubt you can find wide receivers in the second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round. They're all over the place. Puka Nakua last year in the fifth. To name one. Pop in the sixth. You can find it. Historically, we see that. The Green Bay Packers made a hit and have historically succeeded outside of the first round. So, yeah, I think the second and potentially into the third, you can still find starting receivers. So I'm signing Ridley. And I am double dipping in the draft. Adonai Mitchell from Texas, Roman Wilson from Michigan, Jalen McMillan from Washington, Ricky Pearsall from Florida, Xavier Leggett from South Carolina. Those are just, you know, four or five names I gave you that will be in the second to third round of this draft. And there are others. Xavier Worthy is another guy that you can bring up. Keon Coleman is another name that you could bring up. I mean, there are so many wide. This is a wide receiver rich draft. So I'm signing Ridley and I am double dipping in the draft. Here's my hypothetical. Hypothetical. Wide receiver position. My wide receiver room for the Patriots in 2024. Calvin Ridley. Adonai Mitchell. 
Ricky Pearsall, and Pop Douglas. Woo! And I would re-sign Kendrick Brown. Kendrick Bourne. Whoa. Old school Celtics thought just popped into my head. I would re-sign Kendrick Bourne. That's what I would do. Ridley, Mitchell, Pearsall, Pop, and Bourne. Five wide receivers in that room that can play football. You've got one guy who's proven in Calvin Ridley that can give you number one numbers. You've got another guy in Pop Douglas that is proven to be a yak machine who is young and continuing to develop and get better. You have Mitchell, Pearsall, or Mitchell and another wide receiver in the third or fourth round that you are developing underneath Ridley. So as Ridley ages, those guys come up. And you bring back Kendrick Bourne, who I think is the perfect fourth-slash-fifth receiver coming off of an ACL. Bye-bye, Devontae Parker. Bye-bye, Juju Smith-Schuster. If I could trade Juju for a seventh-round pick, I'm doing it. I'll do the John Smith trade tomorrow. I would love to get rid of both those guys. If you've got to keep Juju, fifth-slash-sixth receiver, fine. Make him inactive from time to time. If one of these young receivers, they don't get going early, then you have a little bit of depth insurance. Move on from Parker. Move on from Juju. Bring in some young talent by drafting in the second through the fifth round. Double dip at that position. Go out and sign yourself a Calvin Ridley. Continue to develop Pop Douglas, and you have yourself a wide receiver room that I think many of us would be proud of. That's what I think. That's what I would do. So that's my wide receiver plan. I would not go crazy and make this dramatic trade for Justin Jefferson. You've got the picks. You've got the money. You can do this right. You can sign a good to very good receiver. You can double dip in the draft and bring in a couple of young, promising talents. You can continue to develop Pop Douglas, and you could re-sign Kendrick Bourne to a team-friendly, incentive-laden deal with him coming off of the ACL. If you walk into 2024 with that wide receiver room I just gave you, or at least close to it, I think you could feel pretty damn good about what you did in the offseason at that position. All right, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Looking for 2,000 subscribers by March 1st. That's the goal. We're about 100 away. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you click on that subscription button. It is always appreciated. Keep popping that thumbs up as well. Spotify, Apple Pods, rate and review. That'll do it for this hump day. I'm back tomorrow at 11 a.m. Thanks for joining me. As always, appreciate you. It's the Nick Cattle Show.